are listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. But now, it's time for this week's interview. Here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul T. Hello and welcome to podcast episode 23 for Monday, the 8th of August, 2016. My guest today, Michael Robinson, is a writer from the UK with several publications to his name, both online and in print. He writes dystopian, sci-fi and apocalyptic fiction, though predominantly science fiction with a darker edge to it. Michael has written stories of all kinds since his late teens and finally started publishing in 2013 after having a short story accepted by HarperCollins. He's also had his first three books of the Alpha Plague series produced by Podium. They put together Andy Weir's The Martian and we all know how well that one turned out. He has an active online presence. You'll find him on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and on his own website and he's the most prolific writer that we've spoken to so far on the podcast to date. I started by asking Michael how he manages to get all those books written. I'm very tired and I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, like no, no, I saying to you, I work as a driving instructor, so I can pick uh, as and when I want to work, which is nice. Um, but it means I have really long days. And uh, I suppose a typical day for me is I get up about quarter to five in the morning, uh, right till about about half seven in the morning i try to go for a walk just because i live quite a sedentary existence um go and do a few hours driving instructing uh, have a power nap in the middle of the day write some more and then work until about half eight nine in the evening and you're doing the real um juggling act because you've also got young children i heard them as we connected on skype today so you've got the family thing yeah to do as well yeah i do i've got two kids and i um i mean the good thing about being a driving instructor having control over my life is I can work when I want so I'm I have a few days off where I spend with the kids and look after the kids on those days and I still manage to get the writing in because I tend to get up before anyone in the house does and you know Marcy my my youngest still naps in the day so I get a bit of writing done then you've got this amazing list of titles when you look at your Amazon author page wow it goes on (laughs) for a long time and then but you've just done this it's about what 2013 is that right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been writing for about 20 years now. Um, so a lot of my first book took me, I don't know, two and a half years to write. And then my second book took me, you know, maybe two years to write. And I wrote about five books before I, before 2013, before I even thought about publishing anything. Um, so, yeah, I've been writing for a long time. But publishing, since I found out really about it, I was, I'd made a decision. I think, I suppose when you have kids does that to you doesn't it it forces well it forced me anyway to try and make a bit more of myself and I made a decision I was going to make my writing work in whatever way um and I didn't know about self-publishing at the time and then came across it as I was writing did you publish those books that took two years two and a half years to write or are they sitting in a desk drawer somewhere yeah I don't even know if they're sitting I don't I don't even know where they are yeah they will never they'll never see the light of day they're atrocious (laughs) oh really Yet, yet they took so long to write yeah I think I just, I don't know, I just, I felt like I had to, maybe I'm a slow learner, I felt like I had to take a few to write, and uh, yeah, yeah, no, they just, they just weren't good at all, um, you know, I was, 20 years ago I was 18, you know, 17, 18, so um, I've learned a lot in that time, um, consumed, you know, obviously in 20 years worth of story as well, which helped me kind of understand 
understand structure much better. Um, and even my first few books that I self-published, I'm well, I, I hate everything I write about two months after I put it out. Um, but my first few books, uh, you know, they, they've they've got a lot of faults um, with structure and things like that. But they, I think, um, I think what self-publishing has made me realise when you look at things like Fifty Shades of Grey, it's, it's a quite an inspiring book because I think it shows you that. If the story's there, then the readers can be quite forgiving, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm interested to know. You know the books that you you didn't publish because a lot of work got in there. There's a lot of hours and a lot of sweat, blood, and tears. Yeah. What what was wrong with them? Because a lot of a lot of people never publish the first couple of books, and some people will never actually get to publish it. What's actually wrong with them? Now you could look back on them, and you've had some success in writing. What was wrong with them? It's hard to know without looking at them now, actually, to be honest, because. Uh, the first one I finished again when I was like 22, um, so it's really hard to. I would imagine everything. I would imagine it was probably really passive. Uh, I'd imagine it's full of adverbs in the wrong places. Um, I'd, I'd imagine the structures all over the place. Um, yeah, everything probably. I think it's it's probably would read like a, you know, someone who's who's never really read a book has written written it. You know, it was just yeah. It's it's hard to, it's hard to tell you exactly, um, but obviously with the learning i've gone through now working with various developmental editors and kind of honing my craft i i understand a lot more about sentence structure and um you know what your words to use when and how to use metaphors um you know i don't have to put a metaphor in every sentence which i probably would have done when i was 18 when did you decide then to start using a professional assistant you mentioned developmental editors there yeah um, my first my very first book, Lightpoint Amazon, it was copy editor. I think I was, I suppose, 2013. I was uh, being a driving because I'm a driving instructor. I listen to a lot of podcasts, so I managed to listen to quite a lot of information before I put anything out there. Um, so from the very beginning, I was working with copy editors, and then I wanted to find the, a developmental editor because I'd heard what they were and what they did. Um, and the, my new reality was the first book that I worked with a developmental editor on. What does it cost for a development editor? Because it's quite quite a hefty job, isn't it? Yeah, it depends. It depends who you use. Um, I would say I tend to write fairly short, maybe fifty, sixty thousand words. Um, so uh, I don't know, maybe five hundred dollars on that. And you go to the states for that, are you? Yeah, yeah, I tend to, um, just because that's where most of it is. Really, I've, I've got uh, actually my two copy editors are both Canadian, um, but yeah, my contacts are in the states um just through friends who write and you know you kind of work out who's good and who isn't and um i, I that's that's something i found actually it took uh maybe four or five books of paying over the odds with certain people and and paying editors that probably weren't very good to realize to work out who was good and who's worth working with yeah my impression is is that the relationship is really important between the writer and the editor i had a an early bad experience that actually uh, damaged my self-confidence with writing would, would, would you agree with that what your experience has been yeah i've i have had um yes yeah i've had experiences where i've paid a lot of money been told i was getting a developmental edit and got it back and it was a passable copy edit at best and i paid kind of three times four times what i'm currently paying for copy edits um so i've had that where i've been promised something i haven't been given um and yeah i suppose i suppose you you do have to develop a relationship i think a good developmental editor will help you write your book and make your book the best it can be rather than write their book i think there's there's a danger sometimes that developmental editors want to write their book instead of yours one of the things that strikes me when i hear you talk and when i look at your 
the, the things that you've produced, the books you've produced, is you're in for a lot of money before you even start to sell these books. You're getting decent covers on them. You get development edits, you know, copy edits and, and proofreads as well. That, that's quite a lot of money up front. A lot of people, that would frighten, I think. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's... Um, yeah, I just... I, I suppose I could see that I, I've got to go into it professionally. I've got to go into it if I want to compete. You know, I'm not... Uh, uh, books aren't going to sell that aren't edited and have got crappy covers on you know just it's I, I suppose i was lucky to see that straight away rather than maybe have that negative experience at the beginning of getting slammed for poor editing and poor covers and what well, they just don't get books with bad covers just don't get picked up do they well no i think you, you've got to pay for the covers i mean I, I i agree with you i think you're in for a lot of money before you even start and you it's an investment i think yeah. um that you that will pay you for years hopefully yeah yeah and i've, I've got to a point i suppose i'll probably spend between a thousand and fifteen hundred dollars on each book um but I've, I've you know it's it's got to the point now where it's it's what i don't even know how many books i've got out there but maybe 13 14 books in where that investment usually comes back within about three months um if not a bit sooner than that so i could see i suppose seeing the success stories seeing what people are doing and seeing that it's actually quite a uh it's, it's quite a legitimate business plan you know you, you create a product you put it out there um and it it's obviously you have to I think you have to create the best product you can create. Um, I always cringe when I hear people say write a good book because I think that's uh, everyone thinks they're writing a good book. So I think just working with um, professionals that are going to give you the right kind of feedback so you can make your book the best it can be and just try and write a better book each time. And I could see how with enough work, you know, that whole kind of, what is it, a hundred monkeys in a room can you know, create Shakespeare. I, I kind of try and be that productive, you know, that's what I can do if nothing else. The spark that seemed to ignite you in 2013 was having this short story accepted by HarperCollins. Can you talk me through that experience? Because that, that sounds really exciting. That's traditional publishing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, it does sound really exciting, doesn't it? And it kind of, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, there was a website called Autonomy. I don't know if that still exists or not. Have you heard of that? I haven't heard of that, now. It was kind of, I think, I think it had a place before self-publishing. It, it's, it, it was still there when self-publishing was kind of starting to, starting to grow. Um, but it was a site where it was kind of like a, you'd, you'd, everyone would upload their books and then other authors would be on there and they would read and critique your books and put their books on your bookshelf. And at the end of the month, the top five books would get reviewed by a HarperCollins editor. Um, so certainly in the old traditional world where you know that's that's what you needed it was quite a desirable place to be so i was on there and they uh did a short story competition to get a short story put in one of their published authors books and that was when i wrote a short story uh, um yeah and it, it got accepted i don't know it at the time it did feel like a big deal because it was harper collins um but uh, now i look back at it they i don't think they really cared about it in any way at all um, and it wasn't any kind of an in, but it was probably what I needed to to realise that um, you know somebody had accept somebody had accepted my work. So it, it was it was the push to kind of maybe make me confident enough to put a bit more work out there. And where are you as far as traditional publishing is concerned? Would would you go trad? Or are you happy with indie? I would, but uh, um, I'm I I think if I went traditional, it wouldn't be for the money because I think the money there's more money in independent publishing. Uh, it seems that way. Obviously, you know, you know Stephen King and people like that obviously make a fortune. But um, I would I would go traditional, but I think I would rather carry on uh, indie publishing. And then if the traditional world comes to me, I would uh, I would consider it. But I'm not 
Um, I, I don't necessarily feel like I want to jump through all the hoops and try and kind of appease the, the big, big publishers when I'm doing all right on my own, you know? So you just write, you write, you publish, you repeat to kind of phrase yeah. and, and you don't go into what, do you do competitions at all? Do you do any kind of submissions to traditional publishing houses? I don't know. No. Um, I do with my, I've started working on writing comics as well because this is my other love writing novels and writing comics. And I think that I might try and do a bit more traditionally. Um, I'm, I'm very close to having my first short put together. I've paid an artist and I'm going to have some on my website and put things like that together so i might try and follow the more traditional route with that because uh, it's, it's much more of a physical product and i think uh, certainly producing physical product is, is where the publishing industry can can do much better than i can because they have the distribution channels and um but as far as traditional publishing i'm not i'm not anti it at all um but i i can see the potential to an independent publishing and that's where I've only got so much energy and that's, that's where I want to put my energy at the moment. Um, I have a standalone horror book, which I really, really want to write. Um, and I might try and get that traditionally published when I have the time and the income to be able to work on a product that I'm not going to see any, uh, a kind of early return on. I want to delve into how you actually do the writing. You've told us that you, you kind of squeeze your writing in where you can around the work and around the family. What what's your production rate? Do do you work to a word count when you sit down to write, or just whatever comes out? Yeah, I tend to work to a word count. Uh, I t- tend to be of the mindset that uh, I need to turn up and write every day, no matter how I'm feeling. Because often when I look back at those days when I haven't felt that great about it, you know, when I look back at it in six weeks' time, what I've written is actually half decent. And it's I think if I let myself be too swayed by things like being too tired in the morning and things like that, then I, I wouldn't get as much done. So I am quite strict of myself. Um, I tend to, if I'm writing a first draft, I tend to want to hit at least 3,000 words a day. Um, and if I'm editing, maybe four or 5,000 words a day. Uh, so it depends on what stage of editing I'm at. Um, and obviously, depending on what chapter, sometimes I've had a really bad first draft and it takes a lot longer to, to hit those 5,000 words. So maybe it doesn't happen some days. Um, but I think the more I write, the more I've learned about uh, writing from, you know, the right point of view and, and my first draft just gets cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. Um, so, yeah, so that makes the editing process a bit quicker. And what do you use to write? Are you a word man or do you use a bit of software? Uh, I just, oh, just shuddered at the, the mention of word. Uh, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm Scrivener all the way. It's just so much easier. I love like that I can that I can just create all these digital files and um, because you know as as you probably know when you're releasing books suddenly the back matter needs to change in every book and I, I can't I couldn't even imagine doing that on word. Well, how do you plan? Do you use anything to plan? Do you just pen and paper? How, how's that done? I use Scrivener. I follow. Um, I've read a book called Save the Cat. Have you heard of that? That one joy it's it's on my um it's on my audible listen list at the moment save the cat yeah okay yeah i listen i listened to that and i really liked the structure that he laid out in that uh, um so i i use scrivener to plan because i just i uh, mind maps and stuff just scramble my brain i can't work visually i like a list so i like the folders in scrivener and i'll just have the story like i have the i'll get the idea for the story i'll work out where i want it to go and then i'll write a structure in scrivener and a folder for each structure which tends to be each chapter um and then i kind of take the story that i've got and apply the structure to it so it often ends up kind of just twisting the story a little bit and allows me to see 
more of an overall story arc and how the pacing's working and things like that. So I, I yeah, so I use the save the cat structure loosely, um, but I find that really helpful. Yeah, yeah, I've got I've got to read. I don't think it's actually don't think you can get the original Save the Cat. I think I must have a version of Save the Cat on my Audible. Um, but I, I've heard it and it's very good by the sounds of it too. Very very worth looking at. Yeah, it's really it's just yeah it's really handy. And and although it's based on movies, it's it's um, you know I think it's I think it's just about story beats really and and how a story arc um, you know how you tell a complete story arc really. Yeah. Um, do you use uh, Scrivener to create paperbacks with? Are you able to take it straight out of Scrivener? I haven't tried that. I just I use a studio called Paul Garris Studio. I mean, I've been really lazy with doing my paperbacks. I'm just now starting to actually put all of my work into paperback. Um, more because when I uh, with the comics that I'm starting to produce, I want to uh, create like a you know a twenty. 30 page comic that I can take to conventions and sell so obviously I want all my paperback so I can take that and sell as well and and get a table at so I've, I've just started putting those into paperback and I use a studio called Paul Garris studio I think they're in Australia or New Zealand or something like that and it's like $60 to get them to do it and I just find it a lot easier they, they format it really nicely and yeah it's just a lot easier $60 now that's very interesting because uh, it's a real faff uh, doing the formatting so yeah I agree with you yeah I just can't yeah I'd just rather write really and spend the $60 <laughs> and uh, again it pays back it might take a few years with paperbacks but it does pay back eventually doesn't it what else do you outsource then because um, I know recently I did a, a training course and at the end of the training course that I did I, um, I, I was producing the training course I thought I'm just doing too much stuff here I need to be writing not doing this stuff and you sound like you've got that down to a T. Yeah, I mean, there's things like, like if I'm making adverts and stuff like that, I'd just rather go on Fiverr and pay, you know, even if I have to buy a few Fiverr ads, you know, it's only like, what, three or four quid to, to get somebody to, to mock up an ad for me um, if I've got the text idea. Um, I outsource the covers, I outsource the editing. Um, and, I, yeah, the only thing I really do is I do the ebooks because, more because if I'm paying 40 or $50 for each ebook formatting, and I'm changing it all the time. Every time I release a new book, it's just not going to be affordable, really, or productive. So that's why I still keep a hold of that so I can kind of tinker with it and change it and update mailing lists and things in it. Um, but, yeah, mostly covers um, and any kind of design work, really, I suppose. Do you have a regular supplier for covers? I do, yeah. I use two people at the moment. Um, Christian Bentelen. Uh, yes, I use Christian too. Christian's great, isn't he? He's, he's brilliant. Joe, I bet that's where I spotted you because um, I bet that's where I spotted you because I was doing a dystopian trilogy and I'd seen Christian's work as, it, you know, things pop up in social media. And I bet that's where I saw your covers because it was the covers that brought me to you first when I spotted you online. OK, yeah. No, I think he's I think he's very good. And I use uh, another guy called Dusty Crossley for my space opera. Um, and Dusty's great. He's really, really good. He he kind of paints digitally, paints from scratch, um, and yeah, he does amazing kind of like sci-fi uh, spaceship scenes. And I've just given him the. I've just put my uh, new order in for my next cover for my next space opera, and asked him to use the, um, you know, the aliens film, mm -hmm. the, the bit where they're landing in the spaceship. I said I want something mm -hmm. like that, and that really excited him. And he will he will create something amazing from that that. Uh, um that that kind of those parameters that i've given him um so yeah they're the two people i use mostly i have used other people in the past uh, if i do short stories i tend to buy um pre-made covers because you know they're only what 30 40 dollars and there's, there's no real return on short stories 
Yeah, uh, I'm interested in what you said about the the second cover maker there. When when they do the big spaceships and things, so that's not clip art then. That's actually original art, is it? Yeah, yeah, it's original art. Yeah. They, did you see my Shadow Order book? Yeah, well, I've seen your cover. I love your covers. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's covers are strong. Yeah, Dusty's Dusty's a lot more pricey um, because he's doing just art from scratch. But yeah, um, yeah, that's that's all all from yeah him and his his however he does it on his tablet or I don't know. Again, it's this side. I should know more about how he produces it, but he basically does a lot of digital art, digital paintings, and, um, yeah, creates amazing stuff. Where do you uh, list the books? You're, you're obviously on Amazon, but are you going wide with your books? No, I've kind of fluctuated between that. Um, I've, I'm have i backing up a series at the moment. I want to try the whole, you know, book one, book two, book three, maybe even more than that. I've got an idea for a series of about 30 books, so I might actually write about the first six of them and then just release them month after month after month after month. Um, and I might go wide with that. But I think the difficult thing is every time I release a book, I decide to go on Amazon and go KDP, and then I'm getting enough revenue from the borrows that I don't really want to, and I can't really afford to sacrifice it. So I don't know, but I think I need to just do a series and just go wide to start with so then I don't miss the revenue and don't have to make that decision because I would like to be... Um, I would like to be on all platforms, but KDP is so great for um, genre fiction, especially sci-fi. There, there was a big hoo-ha about the reads recently because Amazon changed the way that they did it. How's the new system sorting uh, suiting you? It's fine. It's fine. It's it's um, they yeah they had it didn't they where you got paid if they downloaded your book and read a, a percentage was it ten twenty percent and then you got a fixed amount for that book and then now it's per page isn't it? Yes. Um, uh, yes, fine. I mean, anything over about fifty, sixty thousand words, you're getting about the same price anyway um, per book. So, I think I think it's fair. Um, I did have. I, I like to write short stories, if nothing else, just to kind of cleanse my palate in between longer works. So there was a time when I was writing short stories and putting them up on Amazon because if I was getting paid one dollar thirty for every time someone downloaded a short story, then it, it made it worthwhile. Um, it's much less worthwhile putting short stories on Amazon now, um, and I'm kind of plowing that short story work into comic scripts anyway but yeah so it's it's yeah it doesn't work for short stories but for everything else it's fine and are you on top of your numbers enough to know roughly what your reads are compared to your sales in terms of the amount of business that it brings in i'm terrible with keeping on top of things i know i know how much money i earn each month and i know i keep track of that but everything else so I just can't be bothered to track it i know that might sound really lazy and terrible but i just i, I feel like at the end of each month, I just don't want to look at sheets and don't want to kind of work. I, I don't even know how many numbers of each book I've sold, which is probably for some people probably a, uh, you know, they, that would make them feel uncomfortable. But no, so I just, yeah, I just work out what I earn over all of my books. And um, I can see what's selling and what's not. I keep track of, you know, daily. I, I think probably most authors quite obsessively look at their Amazon dashboard and see what they're selling. And I know what's selling and what sells better than the others. And I know what to stimulate with, with ads when it's kind of starting to drop and stuff. Um, but other than that, I'm not great at reporting, to be honest. So you've been doing this since 2013. At what point did you start to get some traction, to start to earn more than the dribs and drabs that come in at the beginning when you start writing? Um, well, I looked at last year. My earnings have trebled since this time last year. Um, so that would have been by about book. And this time last year, I was earning enough to show me that I could earn money from it. But not enough to make any kind of a difference you know i was still running a i was still running at a deficit i was still producing quicker than i was earning and my costs for production were, were more than the money coming in um so i suppose 
my Alpha Plague series actually was probably the one when that came out. That was, I think I released the first one of those just over a year ago now. Um, and that, uh, I think because Crash was my first series, New Reality was my second series. And I kind of, I tend to write two or three series at a time. By the time I wrote the Alpha Plague, I understood structure much better and I understood how to tell a story much better. So, so pre-planning, I knew what I was writing. I knew what to go. I could see the story before I wrote it. Whereas with all the other stories, I, I wrote them and then edited them and kind of tried to make them fit into a story. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the audience responded to that. You know, the Alpha Plague sells better than, than my other earlier series is because it's written much better. Well, so, so is it the writing that did it is it the sheer number of books the volume that you had what what created that tipping point for you? it's hard to tell um but as 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 worn out as zombie fiction is it still sells mm. um it's still you know you can still earn a decent living off it if you if you write uh you know people still want it people are still hungry for it um terrible pun wasn't it but but it's it's yeah it does it, it does still sell so i think it was i think to be honest it was understanding how to market a book and to put a book out there that the audience wanted to read as well as a book that I wanted to write but to understand that predominantly I want to be making sure that I'm putting a zombie book out there because that's what the audience wants. do you know what I mean yeah let's talk about marketing then you, you raised the m word just <laughs> let, 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 when did you decide that it or realize that it was more about just writing the books that we've got to we've got to actually market these things too it was actually that was the thing that made me um go into self-publishing because i was looking at traditionally published uh, traditionally published authors and they were saying things like you have to have an amazing author platform you have to be a great marketer and i kind of thought well if i have to do all of that which i didn't really like the idea of but if i have to do it then why do i need to go to a publisher if they're not going to do that for me um so i think pretty early on i realized that i need to find ways to sell my book to make it visible um before i'd even started writing i understood about things like permaf free um and things like that um so i suppose straight away really when i went into it i'd, I'd been lucky i'd listened to probably 60 70 episodes of the self-publishing podcast um and as I'm, I'm guessing you've listened to those guys they're pretty full on they they have always coming up with ideas and they're always coming up with suggestions and it's quite quite nice to see what works for them and what doesn't like you uh, i think like a lot of the indie community i hang on to everything they say and i look at the success they've had and it's just remarkable isn't it yeah yeah they, they were the ones that made me realize that actually it's it's um just keep writing yeah that, yeah write publish repeat as they as they say but yeah it is that you know keep writing and keep learning and keep trying to improve and keep trying to put the best work you can out there um and yeah and it's it's you know something's got a strike hasn't it <laughs> and what marketing are you doing then you, you said you you used you put the books into permafree uh, you've you've got it in KVP Select, so you're also getting the reads as well as the sales. You, you you're doing it digitally, which is interesting as well. Just digitally, not you're not putting the paperbacks out, so that that isn't increasing your sales. Yeah, yeah, I've just started to to put them out. Um, I, I think because my experience of putting just one paperback out was it just sold nothing. Um, and I think I'm getting to the, I'm getting to the point now where I can spend sixty seventy dollars on creating a paperback now and i was at a point before where i would rather have put that into editing and paying the ad sites than putting it into a very small revenue stream because i i think and i i, I didn't i could see it would be a small revenue stream i mean maybe i'll be wrong hopefully it'll explode and it'll be uh, it'll be substantial enough that it'll make it worthwhile to i will get all my books in in print but i just didn't see i didn't see much profit in it which is why i didn't really pursue that 
Are you doing the mailing list building thing? Yes, yeah. I've had a mailing list since day one, which is which is good. And I find that for me, I've done Facebook ads for mailing lists and got quite a lot of sign-ups, but I find them to be quite cold sign-ups. Um, I think sometimes they, they barely realise what they're signing up for. Um, my most successful way of getting mailing list sign-ups is the perma-free and then giving book two away um, in the front and the back of the book. And I get um, I, I get a few a day at least. Um, but yeah, sometimes 10, 15 subscribers a day from Hermafree. So just talk me through that. You're giving away book one of the series for free. Yeah. And then to get book two, they have to sign up for the list. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, they can buy it on Amazon or if they want book two for free, then they can sign up to my mailing list and get it for free. And then typically I've, I've, I've got a few, I've got to update my autoresponders on my mailing list. Um, but I might then give them a collection of short stories as well. And then another one of my books and links to my other books that are free. And so I send them a few, uh, autoresponders as well, try and give them quite a lot of free stuff at the beginning. How are you delivering the books? Are you just giving them a, a Mobi or an EPUB file, or are you using anything to deliver them? I use Amazon S3, um, yeah. and then I'd, I've seen this book funnel, but I haven't gone to that yet. That looks quite good, but then I've also seen people um, complaining about it not quite working right, and I've got a system set up that seems to work quite well, um, where I send them an email, and they've got a link to the Mobi, the EPUB, and the PDF, um, so they tend to work it out themselves how to get it downloaded, and it's, it's not much hassle for me. I am using BookFun. I've just started using it, interestingly. I was doing it the way that you were doing it, okay. and, um, and, I, and I have started using BookFunnel. Now, to be fair, I haven't had anybody say, oh, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I, I used to provide a little page with instructions, and, and frankly, BookFunnel just does that. It delivers it, and, and it says how you're downloading it, and it, it gives the, them instructions. The great thing about BookFunnel is if they can't do it, they hassle BookFunnel. They give them support rather than coming to you. So okay. um, I, I have jumped on that BookFunnel. I, I do quite like it, actually, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with it for now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, I, I, it's, it's, you know what it's like. It's one of those things like mailing list responders. You know, I've got a, a pile of paper on my desk, all with notes on about what I need to do. And, and I've, I've definitely, I've heard a book funnel and it sounds good. And yeah, I just, um, like, like I said, I suppose I'm probably looking for reasons not to do it because I just don't want to do it. I, I just have got so many little jobs that I should probably do. But yeah, I've got a system set up that seems to work. And yeah, so, I, but I, I, yeah, book funnel does sound like a good a good way to go so i'm sure i will uh you know maybe have a day and do that it's one more thing unfortunately it's just one more thing to yeah do. and it's one of those things that it's once it's set up and it's running it'll be great but actually it just doesn't make much difference to my business really i don't feel at the moment uh, i don't really get people contacting me saying they're struggling to download it since i've given them the three options of the pdf the epub and the kindle book file it's, it's very infrequently that i get people um struggling to download the books now it's eighty twenty rule, I think, isn't it? That's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. What What are you using for your email delivery? Are you a Mailchimp guy? Uh, no, Aweber. Ah, interesting. Yes, okay. Because many people go for Mailchimp, which I don't actually think is the best one. Interesting. You've gone for Aweber. Uh, do you use the advanced service? I can't remember what it's called. The It's a bit like a, a CRM tool. You know, it can do more fancy things. Are you on the basic Aweber? I just use the basic. I think just the basic one. I've got the autoresponders and that's and just send a mailing a mail out to my mailing list and that's all I use it for really. I haven't uh, I haven't really delved in much deeper than that. Are you in the position yet where you can send out an email when you've got a new book and it will actually make a big difference to the sales? Not a huge difference, but maybe 60, 70 sales from from sending a mailing list out. So it's you know it's decent, but uh, compared to my mailing list, it's it's a fraction. Of my my mailing list is about two and a half thousand people, um, and typically yeah, 60, 70, 80 sales. That's 
about it. Um, I have, uh, you know, an advanced reader mailing list. That's quite good. You know, typically when I get a book out there, I'll get, I'll get, uh, you know, a handful of early reviews from it. Um, but not huge amounts yet. No. Are you using any paid for advertising at all? I, I tend to use the ad sites. I'll do the runs, you know, like the, the countdown deal. Um, and I tend to do that. I've dabbled with Facebook advertising. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I, I keep trying. Um, but I, I haven't had huge amounts of success. Um, again, I'm not saying it doesn't work for my genres, um, but you know, like sci-fi and space opera, but I certainly the success that I hear is typically romance or thriller. Um, and slightly more, more, uh, you know, slightly bigger audiences. Um, but I'm sure there are sci-fi people out there who are, who are making it work. And, um, uh, yeah, I just, you know, like to this month I spent a hundred quid on Facebook ads and not got any return really on it. So it's kind of, you know, I'll just put it to the back burner for a while and then maybe try it again soon. How about sites like uh, BookBub and FreeBooks? Any joy with those? Yeah, yeah, they're great. Yeah, yeah, I use those often. Um, I just recently did a, I, I think when I was talking to you on email, I had a bit of a sales slump and I just did a countdown deal on one of my box sets with just Robin Reads. Um, and that got me a good like 150, 299 cent downloads for a $30 ad or something like that. So yeah, just instant return on investment, which is great. Have you managed to get a book, Bub? No. <laughs> You've no. tried though, surely. Yes, I have, and I've cursed them a lot. Yes, but no, no, I, I yeah, no, not yet. Um, I keep trying. Ever tried free booksy? Yes, yeah, I do use free booksy. Um, I like them. I, I like free books. I have some really good results from free booksy, and it's uh, well cheap, isn't it? It's fairly cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that the if you're doing yeah. If you're, if you're doing a freebie, free books is great. Uh, books end, um, I find quite good. Robin Reads uh, have come on the radar quite recently for me, and I found them to be really good. Um, what's the other ones? Kindle, Kindle Books and Tips. Um, they're again, they're only about I think twenty five dollars. They they return a profit every time. One of the best ones I think when you're doing paid ads is e-reader news today. Um, I find I often now when I'm going to do an ad run, I will ask them first and tell them that I will run my countdown deal based on when they can do an ad for me because they tend to like that. Uh, um, and for that, it's literally like $25 and you tend to get a, a really strong return on, on their adverts. You've given me a couple there that I didn't know about. So I'm going to go and check those out and I'll put them on the show notes for this. Just how do you spell Robin, Robin reads? What's that? I haven't heard of that one. Before. Uh, it's just Robin like the bird and then yeah. reads. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it came to my turn. I think I, I, you know what it's like you get bombarded with information from everywhere I saw somebody using it and saying it was good so I gave it a go um, and yeah like I said my most recent I did a 99 cent on my Alpha Play box set and that was a big saving that was like $7 off which, which helps um, but I went through them and every time I've gone through them I've had really strong results I think Alpha Plague is the one that caught my eye, and I think you've got Christian's covers on those. I think I recognise the style. Is that, am I right? He's done covers four and five. Dusty did covers yeah. one, two, and three. Great. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it must have been the later ones that I saw. I think yeah. they, you, you, it might have been your books that attracted me to Christian's work, actually. So okay. it's pretty interesting how these things come around on the web, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. 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 For sure. He does post a lot, doesn't he? And it's nice to see. That's what made me. I, I followed him, um, and I'd followed him for about six to eight months before I asked him to do a cover for me because I just watched the covers that he was producing, and um, yeah, he's, he's great and really accommodating, really friendly, really quick. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's a great cover designer. 
Yeah, I mean, and really, it's just an example of great marketing. I think Christian Markets brilliantly uses social media, and it was those constant covers coming up that made me think, yeah, this is what I want. That's the style I like. I really like his work. I'm going to buy. Yeah. And I and I just bought a row of three off it straight. You know, a whole trilogy I got done with him, and I and I loved his work. So, yeah, I think that the the main thing for me with cover designers is if they can get the font right, um, because that's 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 everything. I think I think if they get the font right, then then that that's when you know they're a good cover designer. Yeah, with Dystopian, he did me some lovely, um, you know, scratch metal. I don't know what he'd done with it, but I loved it. I said, yeah, that's, you know, that's great for the font. I'll have a bit of that. Yeah. So he, I just think he knows that genre really well, doesn't he? He's really comfortable with it, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's got a very good eye for stuff like that. He knows, yeah, he knows how to put an appealing cover together for sure. There's not many of his covers that I, I haven't liked. No, me too. I'll put a link on the show notes for this. So we'll, we'll give him a big, uh, we'll big him up because yeah. he's very good. Yeah. yeah. Um, Alpha Plague, then, you're on... Book five with that. How, how long is that going to go on for, and how easy is it to sustain something like that? Um, I don't know how long it's going to go on for. I've had a few. I had. I don't get asked often, but I did have a reader say to me the other day that he wants. He would like. He likes a finite series, and he 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 mentioned Robert Jordan <laughs> getting so short by Robert Jordan obviously dying before finishing his series. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how long the Alpha Plague will go on for. Um, it just keeps evolving, and uh, I finish one book, and then. I've always got the next book ready to go. So some series, I always want to say series is, I know it's not the right word, but it's a series is such an uncomfortable plural, isn't it? Um, but some series that I write, I have a definite ending. Like I've just planned out a series of about 30 books and I know exactly where it's going to end. But the Alpha Plague, I don't know. Um, it keeps evolving and it keeps getting darker and more twisted. So quite enjoyable to write. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to end it. I've got to say, you're a really good example of, of trusting emergence. A lot of writers say, oh, I've just got the one book in me. I don't know, I don't know where the ideas come from. But you're, I mean, you're really pumping them out, aren't you? You really are a book machine. Yeah, I, th- I suppose. Yeah, I suppose I'm lucky. I suppose I think probably the reason it's taken me 20 years to write is because I've, I've always had the ideas, but nowhere near enough skill to be able to produce books. Um, and I suppose that's the 20 years which has taken me to, to actually understand the craft. But the ideas, yeah, they're kind of, I don't know, I think, yeah, I think, I suppose when you, when you write more and more, you see the structure, you see how actually you could probably just start with a structure and create a story from it. And it just takes a small spark, doesn't it, to, to kind of like have a spark, have an understanding. Often when I see a story, before I write a book, I know exactly how it's going to end, I know where it's going to start, I know the twist. Um, I couldn't really explain why that happens or where that comes from, but I suppose that's that's the the lucky part. I've, I've yeah, I've always got books ready to write. But do you think that comes from experience? Do you think that co- you 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 kind of trust the process when you've done a certain number? You you know that you can go through the beginning, middle, and end. You know that you can fix things if they if they go wrong or off course. Is it is is that kind of what's making you a professional writer? That that trust in yourself? Um, yeah. I think so. I think it's that every time I write a first draft, I hate it. I hate what I'm writing and I, I want to go and edit it. And that's that's a big thing to trust that, just to write it, just to get it done. Don't look at it. Um, to, yeah, to trust that I've got enough to, because sometimes I'll have a novel planned and maybe, like sometimes I have it planned so clearly I can see every single beat of what's going to happen um and i think probably for my first maybe six or seven books that was the case and then there was a couple in the middle where i knew where it needed to start i knew where it needed to end i knew what the middle needed to be and i had to kind of that was a bit i had to wade through that a little bit more so i suppose yeah structure i think i I keep going back to structure because i think that's the important thing i think you understand structure when you understand that okay at this point the story really needs to do something quite dramatic then that's much easier than than just kind of because i suppose to think of it as trust in the story, I'd be a bit lost with that. So I think having a, having a strong st- 
structure to stick to uh, really helps me. But the elements of trust, I think, are more, uh, for me, trusting that uh, the first draft will be okay. I just need to write it. And even if I'm not feeling it, I just need to keep, keep writing it and I can go back and edit it. And, and actually, I'm often quite surprised when I go back to read a book for a second time that actually it, it, it reads like a writer's read it rather than <laughs> the incompetent mess that I feel like when I'm writing it at the time. I want to ask you about your reviews on Crash Book One. <laughs> 151 in the UK. I don't know whether this has gone up since I last looked. And 280 in the USA. Come on, how how did you do that? Um, gave it away for free. Have you seen? Have you read some of the reviews though? Crash Crash was a good book to release because it it stopped me being precious about my work very quickly. I'm guessing you've like you've, you've clicked on the one stars, and I'm not ashamed. Yeah. I'm not ashamed of them. It's 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 fine. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it got so many reviews. I think I just I've given it away free for a couple of years now and that probably has helped um yeah it was it was but it's interesting you talk about reviews on crash because I think I because I'm a, again I keep talking about being a drum instructor but I have pupils who I've got a few pupils who want to learn to write and or want to write uh one of my pupils in particular she's she's really got the desire and I was kind of just trying to I'd not not demoralize her in any way at all but I just I think crash is quite a good example of showing a new writer what you have to put up with as a writer because um crash is violent it's dark it's full-on and for some people that's quite offensive and and it taught me quite quickly that it's okay if some people hate it do you know what i mean and it's it's actually mm. crash five is is the book that most of my readers are asking me for even though it's it's been slammed quite a lot but then by the time you get to that stage haven't you weeded out all the people who are just never going to like it and and you've just got hopefully rabid fans by that yeah stage. yeah definitely and actually for some people when they when they read a review saying you know one star this book's really twisted and dark and horrible and that's that's uh, that's a selling point yeah absolutely yeah and, and the other thing that i've heard a lot of people saying recently with reviews is that if you've just got five star reviews i mean frankly no one's just got five star reviews if i if i'm ever feeling bad about my reviews i look at jk rowling and you know the real big writers mm. and any author that you look at you know however popular that they've always got scathing trolling you know one star review yeah, yeah. so I, I i i mean i'm learning i'm i'm i haven't got very thick hide with this so it you know it, it kind of does hurt me the reviews but but i i'm learning i think that you know it just comes with the territory you just got to get over it really yeah yeah i think so and i did exactly like you did the first one star review i got i mean every one of them hurts me it goes straight to my core and and that's okay because actually now it goes to my court and I let myself feel it and I feel it for five minutes and I maybe swear at my computer screen because I'm sitting in a room on my own and then it's gone and it's you know like I don't I uh it, it goes a lot quicker now like whereas it might stay with might stay with me for two days my first negative review and you know I might have taken it really personally whereas now it's five minutes and um I find a couple of ways uh of dealing with one stars is, is like you say the very first one star i got i then looked at cormac mccarthy's the road which is one of my favorite books and read all the one star reviews on that and thought you know well you know if cormac mccarthy can get one star reviews then then i shouldn't be so precious and the other thing i do is when i release a book i promote it and i market it but i forget about it straight away once it's released i forget about it and i put all my energy into my next book and if i get a one star review it's okay because I, I can write another book and i can write another book and i can write another book and that's like that seems much more productive than like, like i said once a book's out there it's out there yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think you just have to let it be water off a duck's back. I mean, it, it, I think it does hurt. It does hurt you, but as you say, I think it it mustn't stop you, must it? That's the key thing. It must never stop you. Yeah, exactly. And it's okay. And it's and I don't try and defend them. It's okay. It's okay that you know. I, I it's, it can be hard when they turn into personal attacks. Um, 
and again, like I said, the the, the uh, quickly to go because I've talked around crash a little bit. The premise of crash is um, the global economy collapsing and money becoming totally redundant, and the class structure in the UK, um, you know, how that gets shattered and how previous class resentments kind of are then used and turned against. You know, like the the the, the main character is a complete psychopath, um, working class, or or kind of you know he's 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 lived in poverty his entire life and being blamed by a wealthy society for being the problem with society and he's kind of got a lot of pent-up anger and then i looked at things you know reading things like um you know what happened in cambodia with the Khmer rouge and you know looking at what's happening in places like the democratic republic of congo and i didn't quite go as dark as real life but that was what i used as my um you know i looked at how one group of people oppress and control another group of people and that's what crash is so it, it goes pretty dark and and um yeah and i think that's why a lot of people get upset i don't know if i've totally gone off on a tangent or not but that's just talking about those kind of those lower reviews and getting that and i just might yeah just wanted to explain more what crash was about which is why it gets those dark, dark reviews well you're just reminding me how much i love dystopian fiction actually i just i you know you, you describe it in there me thinking yeah i love this stuff. it's great <laughs> yeah. you know extrapolating the world in the future i just love it yeah it's what it is really isn't it it's just uh yeah sometimes pressing the fast forward button or hopefully yeah, not. It's great fun. <laughs> yeah great but no your you know your stuff i um I'm, I'm sort of loading your stuff up on on the kindle i'm reading thrillers at the moment because i've just written my first thriller okay. i'm writing a, a thriller a trilogy of thrillers because um you know i just i need something out there like I mean, you alluded to it earlier it's got a big big audience it seems easier to sell you know i'm looking at people like adam croft and um mark dawson and uh, you know joanna penn selling a lot of thrillers these days so I'm, I'm giving that a try so i'm reading thrillers at the moment but um, then i'm coming back to dystopian so yeah uh, i've got a few of yours on my kindle so we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll give them a try it's horrible don't read it i always say to people don't read it whenever anyone talks about it uh, um i have i have my fans i probably would have pulled it down by now um if it didn't make me money every month but it does still and i think half of my readers would shout at me if i pulled it down but crash is horrible read the alpha plague because <laughs> 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 um, then at least i've warned you and it's and it's it was you know it was it's like the first crash is like a thirty five thousand word novella which has got poor structure and it's quite badly put together you know it's it's got the essence of the story which people which what people like um, as you can see it's been reviewed and, and liked quite a lot um, but uh, yeah like I said it's well you know what it's like you write a book and then you see all its faults especially a book that's kind of you know twelve down the line. Well, yeah, I'm interested in that, though, because I my first trilogy, um, you know, like you, I, I, I published the first trilogy. I'm, I'm still very happy with it. But the biggest criticisms I get on that are, are point of view. I just mix points of view quite a lot. And, and to me, it's it's fine. It's like a Marmite. People either love it or hate it. So I love that immediacy. Or, you know, I didn't like that. And um, I have thought about, and I've been listening to the guys at the self-publishing podcast, they're going back to their back catalogue and they're rewriting, they're reworking because they realise that they've moved on since then. But they've got this asset. And I, I just wonder whether you'd ever do that with Crash. Would you come back to it and write it with what you know now? I don't think so, no. No, I think it is what it is. Um, and I don't see... I would rather release a new series now. Um, I'd rather, you know, knowing what I know, being able to position a new series being able to present it um so it's more marketable from the start um and i just think it's yeah it's i'd, ra I'd rather keep moving forwards i th i see it personally i have i think there was a few times when i first released crash i think i probably did that i did the head hopping thing uh, i think it was quite passive and i learned quite a bit releasing my first few books and i did go back and rewrite crash and new reality quite early on when i learned 
some quite fundamental things about writing but now no i wouldn't i i, I think there's yeah for me it's just it's there's just i just don't want to retread our ground you know yeah yeah you're all over social media um which, which which channel works well it's how i find people you see because it, it makes people a surefire bet for an interview because it shows me that you know it shows that you know that what you're doing you're doing the right things um, and it's very easy to find you and check you out so what's working best for you uh, um i don't know I, i've dialed it back a lot to be honest i think i i um i was really on it a lot and then i kind of felt that i was facebook was the one I, I like the most i think it's just because i understand it i find twitter just like a room full of people shouting at each other um and it's just short bursts of it i just don't I, I i follow famous people on twitter but i don't really follow authors and i don't really promote myself on twitter because i just don't get it i don't i don't know how to leverage it i don't understand it um so i suppose facebook because i find it a bit more interactive you can kind of develop relationships on facebook book um, and I suppose I, I use Facebook it's been great for meeting other writers it's been great for finding resources um, and it's been great for, for kind of I suppose my fan page I can develop um, more relationships on that with people which I like um, but I think that it comes after rather than Facebook creating that it's just a, it's just a, a handy platform after I've got the after I've got the kind of readers in do you know what I mean I've got to tell you, you must, uh, you must have a look at Twitter because the advertising on Twitter is amazing in terms of the targeting. You know, you can target people who like a certain book and, and, and put your books in front of them. I'm very, I've been very interested in Twitter. It's interesting what you say about Facebook because I used to do a lot of internet marketing and I found Facebook better for that. As an author, I'm finding Twitter uh, better in actual fact okay. to, to, connect, yeah, to connect with authors, uh, but also, um, you know, early advertising tests have, have gone well with Twitter. So um, okay, I'd have to say, you know, yeah, remain sort of remain receptive to Twitter because it's. Um, I think there's a lot of good stuff on there for authors. I mean, you know, if you if you wanted to target a book that um, you know people were follow an author they were following on Twitter, you could put your book cover in their Twitter stream, much like you can with Facebook, and it's very cheap. Okay. Um, just like Facebook. So yeah, I mean, I you know I would say I mean I I try and keep my mind open to to things, but um, yeah, try Twitter if you can. Yeah. Um, I just feel that with your books, you know, they're sort of so strong in terms of the branding and everything. There just might be something. There yeah, might be something in there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not. It's it's more. It's more a just something that I can't get my head around than uh you know because because I think it's there's so many different ways to to promote yourself and market yourself, and I suppose the best thing for me I've found is doing the blocks of you know doing a kindle countdown deal and putting four or five adverts back to back um and doing perma free i found is really the best way to get people in you sound like you're really uh, immersed in learning as well as doing what kind of podcasts do you read you mentioned uh, the, the the don't is it the don't kill the cat one the one about the cat and yeah. uh, self-publishing podcasts what what's sort of on your radar in terms of getting good information about self-publishing um i listen to Simon Whistler's, Whistler's Rocking Self-Publishing podcast. Um, I find that one quite helpful. Um, sometimes it can be a bit demoralising because he tends to put kind of big, big hitters on there all the time. Um, and sometimes I have to step back and say it's okay that I'm, you know, I'm doing all right. And I want to, you know, I, ha I, I have aspirations to earn millions and millions and millions. You know, I don't see any point in earning anywhere other than, you know, up in the sky. Um but when, when you're not there and when you're releasing book after book after book and you're hearing people being interviewed and they're like, yeah, I released my first book and did no advertising and now I'm earning $100,000 a year. Um, so I find it can be, um, yeah, I find I've got to do, you know, that kind of trying not to compare yourself and trying to only be better than yourself. You know, I try and keep that mindset. Um, but some, 
Sometimes that can be that can be a bit hard. But I listen to his podcast. Uh, I started listening to Mark Dawson's podcast. And it's very good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I like it. I do like it. It's it's. I tend to switch off a bit when the non-fiction interviews come on. Um, I know there is information to get there, but um, there's so many podcasts. And I listen to so many different podcasts that I I tend to kind of listen more to what the fiction authors have to say because I find to get a bit more benefit out of an hour podcast than I would have a non-fiction one. Um, I listen to Writing Excuses. Don't know that one. Uh, Who does that it's, one? Who is it? I should know. Like one, one of them is Brandon Sanderson, you know, the fantasy author. Yes, I've seen him on Twitter, yeah. <laughs> interestingly. Yeah. yeah, so he's the... Did you know he, he was the one that took over the Wheel of Time for Robert Jordan? So he's kind of quite a big, oh, right. big name. in. The, so these are all traditionally published authors um, mm. who are all doing pretty well for themselves. And they talk about craft, and they're like 20-minute episodes, and they'll talk about, I don't know, like some really specific, you know, like, I don't know, like a, a nemesis, and, you know, like a shadow character and things like that, and they'll go into kind of really craft uh, discussions. So I find that interesting. Um... What else do I listen to? Mm. I'm listening to. Um, I, I've been finding it really funny, and I, I've actually found it quite helpful, which is really strange. But have you heard of that? It's, I think it's my dad wrote a porno. Yeah, I've heard the title. I don't know what it's about it's though. So it? funny! It's so funny. <laughs> it's it's basically three like BBC presenters. It's, it's a girl, Alice Levine, and a couple of guys, and I can't remember who the guys are. But the one of the guys' dad has written a erotica novella. Um, and he found it he's reading out a chapter a week and they're just ripping it apart and it's so funny because it's it's just brilliant it's awful um and like but his his son is is laughing at how bad it is they're just like and his dad's and it's it's outselling every one of my books on amazon.co.uk at the moment so uh yeah yeah but it's that's it's so so funny i find myself driving along literally crying laughing but actually as well it's helping me Go, go to myself i've got to check i'm not doing that in my books i've got to check i'm not doing that you know and it's it's like yeah it's it's but like i say it's, it's almost genius in its marketing because it's got it's got a huge following now right that's going on the list and that's another blooming podcast so, uh, on the list yeah i challenge you to listen to it on the train and not laugh out loud <laughs> honestly I, I literally get people give me funny looks while i'm driving so i'm crying laughing at some of the stuff that they're saying yeah yeah it's brilliant it's so funny but i think i'll tell you what i have I, sorry i only laugh at it because i think the, the author himself uh, the guy's dad uh, laughs it as well like he's not sensitive from what i gather his dad's not sensitive about it at all and he kind of takes all of the criticism in really good good humor because i i don't like saying something's a bad book because i've written bad books and I, everyone thinks they're putting out a good book you know and like i think it's i think um to call something a bad book is, is can be quite uh yeah i think it can make make you sound like a bit of an ass you know yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It's so subjective, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, it does sound like you've really tempted me on that. I'm listening to that. <laughs> it is brilliant. Sounds great. Yeah. Just the title's brilliant. Yeah, okay, so I'm checking that one out. Um, do you know what? i tell you what I have realised. When, when I was um, checking you out online on YouTube, I thought you, you're doing a lot of reviews in the car. And then, of course, I've realised why that is now, because you're a driving instructor. Yeah. So um, how, how does the review channel work on, on YouTube? Because that, that's sort of slightly going off piece a little bit, isn't it, with the writing? Yeah, Slightly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing that more, to be honest, to work towards was my comics um because i'm reviewing a lot of I, I love comics it's a huge passion of mine and i spend far too much money every month buying um comics and i so 
I I like talking about them. I like reviewing them, and I wanted some kind of presence. And YouTube being what it is, I thought it'd be good to do these five minute reviews. Um, I don't I don't promote it at all because I'm really embarrassed of them at the moment. Um, I think they're pretty bad, and I I know I haven't necessarily got kind of on screen charisma, but I just feel like it's one of those things that I just want to kind of keep creating content. And you know, it takes five minutes to to kind of give a quick review on something that i've read and another five minutes to post it on youtube and just build it up and see what happens um but I, that's kind of with half an eye on on the fact that i'm going to start putting digital comics on my website soon um and want to start getting some kind of following for that and i think youtube with it being with comics being a visual medium um it's quite a nice one to be able to just you know hold up to the camera and show the, the art to to people who are watching it I just think you're a really, really good example of a of an indie author. Uh, you know, bootstrapping a business, working during the day, uh, you know, fitting the writing in, learning all the time, marketing. You know, trying to absorb best practice. I think, I think you're just an exemplary example of that. And it's so good to hear that things are beginning to kick in really well for you. What What are your kind of plans? You've said about the comics, but in terms of your career plans, how soon do you think you might be able to stop? being a driver instructor and do this full time yeah i don't i don't know i don't know it's um yeah I, I, i've fluctuated with you know writing down goals and things like that because i don't know i don't know why it's, it's sometimes i like it sometimes i just don't know if it's necessarily something that works for me but i um i don't know i'm watching my income grow i haven't even got a figure in mind really um i'm just watching my income grow and i'm getting slightly more comfortable each month as it grows and just i would hope within if i look at like i said the fact that my income's tripled in the last year um i would hope that you know within the next year or two i'll be able to to kind of you know make it into a full-time living i mean it's not it's not a million miles away from it now so hopefully you know i can i can produce work pretty quick i've got loads of ideas and loads of stories in mind and um i'm trying yeah so i don't know it's, it's I, I should have a clearer plan i should have it on my wall shouldn't i of what i'm going to be doing when but i don't know why it doesn't work for me but it just doesn't um again it's not a criticism of, of setting goals because i think it's really important i think it's a really positive thing and you know like the amount of anthony robbins podcasts that i've listened to and watched and you know the amount of these these things that i kind of got really inspired by but it just doesn't seem to stick with me for some reason. I don't know. I suppose I just don't have much time. I don't, I, I, whatever time I have, I want to be writing. I, I've got to ask you about something. I, I've made a note about this, and it's right at the beginning of the notes, and I have to ask you about this before we finish. I want to ask you about Podium, um, because you've got um, Podium have, have produced uh, a story for you, and they're the guys who did Andy Weir yes. and, and launched Andy Weir, and, and that's very exciting. Could you just talk me through... Uh, podium because that that's exciting isn't it that's almost ex- as exciting as harper collins um yeah i suppose i suppose i suppose the reality of these things are it's just kind of um yeah i suppose when you peek behind the car i mean podium's great they're amazing they've they've podium have basically i've given them the rights to my alpha plague series and yeah they did the audiobook for andy where they're a great company and they produce an amazingly professional product um and it's nice to because i've got a lot of my other stuff in audiobooks that i've done as a royalty share on acx and, and they've been fine but it's nice to kind of maybe have a bigger company with a bit more of a marketing focus on just audio pushing my audio um so yeah i was lucky enough to get my alpha plague series signed with them uh um, and they've been really positive, and I've, I've got a good relationship with them so far. So, um, but because the Alpha Plague has literally just come out this month, I, I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. You know, hopefully I'll get a nice royalty check every, every quarter. But uh, you know, it's, it's, I just don't know until it's until it goes a bit further. Um, but I think 
I think like yeah, like you said with like the Harper Collins and things like that. I I think I don't know. It just doesn't. I I. Uh, it's not that it doesn't appeal to me because I would I would take a traditional deal for sure because I would like to have one foot in that world. I'd like to spread my risk out a bit more. It'd be nice to be traditionally published as well. Um, but I don't feel that excited about it. Does that mm. sound really like it's, it's, no, no. It's, it's not? It's not a slight on it, but I feel more. I don't know. I suppose I've been self-employed for twelve years now as a as, as a driving instructor, so I kind of feel much happier having my own destiny in my hands rather than somebody else's. Did they come to you? Uh, yes. Well, I have. I'm lucky enough to have people who have been published by them, and they kind of dropped my name onto them, and then they contacted me. And then is it royalty share after that? Then? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. So they they produce it, um, and you know, like to produce for me to produce what to because they're my first um they've put alpha plague one two and three out which is about 18 hours of audio um and as you can imagine you know when they're when they're employing people like us d bray who did uh andy martians uh, and andy martian andy weirs the martian you know they're charging like 400 dollars an hour so um it's nice to be able to get that kind of product out there and then you know get the get the royalty share at the end but you've done it with acx on revenue share before yeah yeah i've got quite a few audio books i've actually just put my space opera um with acx i was um yeah i was i was weighing up a few different options and it um podium tend to like to put longer things out so i think they they wanted to have a look at it when it was longer um but i had a really great audition come in on acx i put it out there because it's space opera it's quite hot at the moment so um unlike all my other work where i've had to go on acx and then kind of hunt narrators down and ask them if they'd like to be, to, to work on my audio book when i put my space opera up there it got four or five auditions like in the first week um and i decided to go with it so yeah how how, how easy do you find that um if you've because uh, you've got a lot of reviews on crash one but I, I found that i hadn't got a lot of reviews when i put it on acx so i didn't really feel in a position to say let's do revenue share because the the earnings might have been nothing so i, I actually paid kept the rights and um I got the lower royalty on on ACX as well mm. because I didn't like signing my life away for seven years. I mean, some marriages don't last that long, <laughs> do they? And, and uh, it just felt a bit, you know, wrong to me. So, but it was more expensive. You know, it cost me a lot more. Yeah. Um, well, I suppose I see things like paperback and audio and all of those things as uh, free money. You know, I, I, the way I see it is I'm putting all of my effort into, into making this ebook thing work, um, and everything else, you know, is free money. You know, so if I've got audio rights that I can exploit, then I'll, I'll give them to somebody for seven years, you know, and see what happens. And you know, it earns me a little bit of money, brings extra extra cash in. I don't want to spend hundreds of dollars on creating the audio um so i suppose that's that's why i went that way with it yeah it's interesting good well look i wish you all the best with podium because that i do think that's very exciting they're mm -hmm. they're really quite quite a buzzword at the moment aren't they and with andy weir's recent success we'll expect to see you in the cinema soon well hopefully yeah nice, <laughs> isn't it? i i wonder, <laughs> I wonder if there's one too many zombie stories out there already though i'm not sure the uh the the, the movie execs are looking for them at the moment <laughs> <laughs> So um, finally, then, where where can we find you online? I've said already that you're online. Where would you like to send people to, to check you out? The main portals uh, for you? Probably my website. It's michaelrobertson.co.uk, and then you can find everything from there. Thank you for listening to this week's self-publishing journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. If you're new to self-publishing, you might also like to check out selfpublishingacademy.com, the step-by-step -step guide to getting your manuscript off your hard drive and into print. 
In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.